The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, the original and immortal stories of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, dramatized anew with Sir Ralph Richardson as Dr. Watson and Sir John Gielgud in the role of Sherlock Holmes. Yes, what's this, Watson? Someone in quite a remarkable state of agitation, Holmes. Whoever it is, he's not even waiting for Mrs. Hudson's good offices. A man from his step. A young one from his energy. And a strong one from his tug on the bell pull. Mr. Holmes, I'm nearly mad. Oh, do sit down, won't you? Mr. Holmes, I am the unhappy John Hector McFarlane. Pray have a cigarette, Mr. McFarlane. Oh, you mustn't blame me. I'm nearly mad, I tell I you. I blame you for nothing. But if you don't sit down and compose yourself, I can't possibly listen to you. Well? I'm, I'm sorry. Yes, of course, of course. But if you only knew... When you are fully composed, you must tell us very slowly and quietly who you are and what it is you want. You mentioned your name as if I should recognize it. But I assure you, I know nothing whatever about you. Beyond the obvious fact that you're a bachelor, a solicitor, and a Freemason. Mr. Holmes, how on earth... <laughs> oh, you mustn't mind it, Mr. McFarlane. It looks like a conjuring trick, but it's really quite simple. Well, he deduced the first fact from the general untidiness of your attire, if I may say so, and the second from the sheaf of legal papers sticking out of your pocket there, and the third from the charm on your watch chain. Upon my soul, Watson, you improve. You do indeed. <laughs> well, thank you, Holmes. And now I, I fancy Mr. McFarlane's calm enough to tell us his story coherently. Uh, Mr. Holmes, I'm everything you said, and in addition, I'm the most unfortunate man in London. I'm calm enough now, but I had to know you'd be working for me. It's just that I had to get here before they did. Oh, and who are they, Mr. McFarlane? The police. Uh, they're on their way to arrest me. The police? This is really most gratifying. <laughs> Quite interesting. Uh, on what charge, may I ask? Of murdering Mr. Jonas Oldacre of Lord Norwood. Dear me. Uh, Look there, Mr. Holmes, there. At that newspaper. Look at that headline. Yes, 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 Watson. Pray look at this. Uh, the second page, as I recall, it runs, a mysterious affair at Lower Norwood, disappearance of well-known builder, murder, and arson. Yes, and here you see, below... Yes, a clue to the criminal, the mysterious Mr. McFarlane. That's a clue they're following now. A, a man was after me at London Bridge Station. What's that? Who is it, Mr. Holmes? We must wait and see. Of course you understand, Mr. McFarlane, that I don't necessarily accept your case. Oh, Mr. Holmes, I... Still, I'll you. listen at least. And if you... John Hector McFarlane! I arrest you for the willful murder of Mr. Jonas Oldacre of Lower Norwood. Ah, oh, good morning, Inspector. Do come in, won't you? Mm, that's all very well, Dr. Watson. But I've been following this young man, Mr. Holmes, and I want him. A quarter of an hour, more or less, can make no difference to you, Lestrade. This gentleman was about to give us his account of the affair. Perhaps I might help to clear it up. I don't think I shall have any difficulty in clearing it up, Mr. Holmes. Uh, still, Ooh, it's a warm day, Lestrade, is it not? And you've been making such haste. Uh, you'll find refreshments on the table over there. Uh, I think I may say I've done you one or two good turns in my time at the yard, Lestrade. So just let me have my quarter of an hour, will you? Well, it's true enough. It's difficult to refuse you, Mr. Holmes. <laughs> but I'm bound to remain with my prisoner, of course, and, I, and I'm bound to warn him that anything he says may appear in evidence. I don't want anything better, sir. 
Thank you, Mr. Holmes. Not at all. Thank you, Lestrade. Now, Watson. Watson. Huh? There's really no need for you to be learning the entire newspaper by heart. Well, speaking to me, Holmes, oh, no, this is really quite interesting. Come, Watson. The facts. The facts. The facts. And so I summarized the facts. It appeared that the night before, at about 12 o'clock, there'd been a sudden alarm of fire at the house of Mr. Jonas Oldacre, a wealthy builder of Lower Norwood. The fire had started in a small timber yard behind the house, where some stacks of wood were stored. It was brought under control by the fire brigade without any trouble, but among the ashes, some charred remains were found. Mr. Oldacre himself was missing, and in his room, the safe had plainly been burgled, and there were signs of a struggle with some blood. It was known that the builder had had a late visitor the night before, none other than young MacFarlane. And among the litter of papers round the safe, a heavy oaken stick had been found, also smeared with blood, which had been identified as his. It seemed clear that murder had been done and the body dragged to the wood stack for disposal. Why, what could be more natural, Mr. Holmes? I got on this young man's trail at once. And arrived to arrest him in our humble chambers. Well, well, the case certainly has some points of interest, Watson. I swear I didn't do it, Mr. Holmes. Yes, yes, quite so, Mr. MacFarlane. But let us take the facts first. It's true, I suppose, that you did visit Mr. Oldacre last night. I did. I won't keep anything back, Mr. Holmes. You better not, young man. You knew him well, I take it. I didn't know him at all. What? At least I knew of him, but I'd never met him. He was a friend of my parents long ago, but they had drifted apart. I only knew the name. And how did you come to visit him, then? He suddenly walked into my office in the city yesterday and introduced himself. I have a place near London Bridge, you know. He said he had some business for me to do, and he handed me some sheets of paper. Uh, uh, here they are, Mr. Holmes. The draft of a will, eh? He said he wanted me to put it all in proper legal shape. You can imagine my amazement when I saw that he'd left everything to you, Mr. McFarlane. Just so. Watson, look at this. Remarkable. You'd never met him in your life before, you say? Never. He was a, a queer little ferret-like man. I, I didn't like him much, but there it was. He'd left me everything. Did he tell you why? He said he hadn't any relations, and he'd known my parents in his youth, and he'd followed my career, and so he felt he'd like to do it for old time's sake, and because I was a deserving case. Oh, quite touching. We underestimate the power of sentiment, Watson. Well, what then, Mr. MacFarlane? Well, he said there were some title deeds and so forth at his house in Norwood, and that he'd want me to have a look at them, too. And he said his mind wouldn't be easy till it was all settled, so he asked me to go out there. He insisted that it should be last night. Yes. After supper, he said. He wouldn't hear of anything else. Oh, and I wasn't to mention anything to my parents. Uh-huh. It, it was to be a surprise to them. Well, why didn't you stay the night at Mr. Oldacre's? He hadn't invited me. Only to look at the papers. I put up at a hotel in Norwood itself. And then, this morning... One moment, you called on him after supper, as arranged, of course. About half past nine, I'd say. Who opened the door to you? I suppose his, his housekeeper. She was a middle-aged woman. And I take it she announced your name? Yes. Uh, we, we went into Mr. Oldacre's study, and he was all ready for me, with the papers all set out beside the safe. We worked in them together till about half past eleven. Complicated papers, Mr. MacFarlane? No. Rather simple, I'd say, really, though he seemed to think they were very important. We, we did them all up in sealed bundles. Most interesting. Hmm. So you left him for the night? Yes. I couldn't find my stick, I remember. The stick beside the safe, with the blood stain. Oh, just my devilish luck again. 
I didn't know anything about it till I read it in the papers this morning in the train back to the city. I came straight on to you from London Bridge, Mr. Holmes. I, I was terrified. I, I saw just exactly how involved I seemed to be. Our man spotted him there, Mr. Holmes, at the station. I had a fellow waiting when I heard he was on his way to his office. Mm-hmm. I came on here myself to do my duty. Then you plainly must do your duty, my dear Lestrade. He's yours. Mr. Holmes. No, 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 now it's all right, Mr. McFarlane. I've decided to accept your case. Oh, thank heaven. Now, just write your home address on this slip of paper, and then you must go quietly along with the inspector. There's nothing else to be done. I'll do everything I can to help you. Uh, you're wasting your time, Mr. Holmes. I never saw a clearer case. However, if it amuses you... It does, it does. Though perhaps amusing is hardly the word. Goodbye, my dear Lestrade. Until we meet again, Mr. McFarlane. Heaven bless you, Mr. Holmes. Well, Watson? Is he innocent, Holmes? I know no more than you do. There are some odd factors, of course. The writing on Old Acre's draft of the will, for instance. I see nothing odd in that. It's a bit of a scribble, perhaps. Just well, so, but written in a railway train, an express, with only one stop the whole way, but several sets of points on the line. Yes, but my dear fellow... Oh, simplicity itself to an expert. Look at the variations in the handwriting. If I'm not mistaken, this was written in the very train we are about to catch ourselves, Watson. But travelling, of course, in the opposite direction, we go from London Bridge to Norwood. Come along, let us see the home of this respected murdered builder for ourselves. The house was a modern villa of staring red brick. We found a group of Lestrade's men routing among the ashes of the timber stack, and at the very moment of our arrival, they struck treasure trove. A few discoloured metal discs. There was no doubt that they were trouser buttons. We looked in the builder's study, saw the signs of a struggle, the bloodstains, the trail of a heavy object dragged from the ground floor window to the timber yard. It seemed only too clear that Lestrade had a case. There were no other footprints but our clients and the builder's. After one quick glance through the paper scattered from the safe, it was with a furrowed brow that Holmes returned at last to Baker Street. All the rest of that close, thundery day, he moped and pondered. Next day, it was hotter still. Ah, Watson, it's all wrong somehow. All wrong. You mean he may be guilty after all? No, no, no. I'm certain MacFarlane's innocent. And all my instincts are one way and all the facts are the other. Mm. McFarlane had so much to gain, of course, a poor young solicitor and a bequest from the blue like that. He might have hoped that the body would burn completely in the wood stack before the fire was spotted, even that the whole house might burn down. And then he'd inherit at once. And yet he chose the worst night in the world for it. A night when the housekeeper knew that he was there. She knew his name, even. You heard me ask him if she denounced him. And then there's the will itself. That odd writing on it. Written in the train by Old Acre, you mean. You still hark back to that. Yes, on his way to see MacFarlane, scribbled almost illegibly in a swaying railway carriage, and at the last moment, extraordinary that a man should draw up so important a document so casually, it suggests he might not have thought it very important. It suggests, Watson... Oh, see who that is, my dear fellow. Oh, yeah. this heat, this wretched, wretched heat. It's, it's a telegram, Holmes. Oh? Shall I, shall I open it? Yes, of course. 
Six from the Strade. Important fresh evidence to hand. Advise you abandon case. Oh, very kind of him. Wait, there's more. McFarlane's fingerprint in blood found on wall beside hat stand. Lestrade. What's that? Watson! Watson! We're done for, Holmes. He must be guilty. Fingerprints can't lie. You know that. It's the latest science. Of course they can't lie, thank heaven. And this one means one thing and one thing only, Watson. McFarlane's guilt. McFarlane's innocence. Get your hat, Watson. We've another journey before us. My dear Holmes, to Norwood again in this heat? <laughs> Black heat this time. McFarlane's an innocent man. There's mercy still in heaven. and dejection fell away from him. Sherlock Holmes was seldom, perhaps, jocose, but when he talked blithely of Lestrade's little cruel victory in the telegram, he was as near to chirruping as I ever saw him. I was to see yet another side of him that day as we sat in the parlour of the humble villa in Blackheath where the young solicitor lived with his parents. Outside, in the hot street, some children were playing. Their voices penetrated into the stuffy little room. MacFarlane's father was away at work, and Holmes listened to the mother with a quiet sympathy. You must save him, Mr. Holmes. I've heard so much about you and how you help people. You must save him. Well, I think I can almost promise that, ma'am. There are only a few remaining points to be cleared up. John would never do such a thing. I just know he wouldn't. And so do I. And so does Dr. Watson here. Of course I do, Mrs. McFarlane. Things look black, but as long as your boy, Mr. Holmes, on his side, he's safe enough. I know, sir. I'm so grateful. It was good of you to call. Well, I wanted some information from you, ma'am, to help me in my work. I'll tell you anything I can, Mr. Holmes. There, I'm, I'm better now. You must forgive me if I was a bit upset when you came first to talk about it. Well, of course, of course. It's this Mr. Oldacre, ma'am, the murdered man. Your son told me that you knew him at some time, though he himself had never met him. Yes, I knew him, Mr. Holmes, when we were both young. Well, ma'am? Too well, sir. He was once a suitor of mine. Thank heaven I discovered his character in time. Oh, really? In, in what way, Mrs. McFarlane? His cruelty, sir. He was more like a beast than a human being. Oh, indeed? Oh, I've no sorrow that Jonas Oldacre's dead, Dr. Watson. Only that my boy's been blamed for it. Your son knew nothing about this old acquaintanceship. Nothing that might have made him, well, bear some grudge against Mr. Oldacre? No, sir. Dad and I only told him that Jonas was once an acquaintance of ours. And you yourself have had no communication with him since those old days? No, Mr. Holmes. Oh, if you'd pass me that little poker work box there on the sideboard, I could show you something. Certainly. I've never ceased to bless heaven that I married a better man, Mr. Holmes. Is this the box, Mrs. McFarlane? Yes, sir. I broke off with Jonas when I heard how he'd turned a cat loose in an aviary once, Mr. Holmes. Just for a joke, he said. Oh. And the next post, I got this. Do you see? What? It's your 
photograph that? What he left of it. You see how he cut and slashed it all over. Oh, a malicious character, this respected builder. At any rate, he must have forgiven you as the years went on, Mrs. McFarlane, since he left all his property to your son. We don't want any of it, Doctor. Not a penny of it, even when John's name's clear. Well, there may be little enough to leave in any case, in spite of the fact that Mr. Oldacre was supposed to be so wealthy. What's that, Holmes? Well, there's one more question, Mrs. McFarlane. Uh, do you know of anyone, perhaps from back in those early days, called... Cornelius? Cornelius? No, sir. No one. I looked over Old Acre's bank statements when we were at his house the other day. There have been several large checks drawn lately in favour of a Mr. Cornelius. His fortune has dwindled considerably. Ah, blackmail, Holmes? Possibly, possibly. You've been very good, ma'am. We won't intrude upon you any longer. I'm so grateful, Mr. Holmes. Oh, it's nothing, ma'am. If only I can clear your son's name, it'll be quite time enough then to thank me. Come, Watson, back to Norwood. Oh, really, Holmes, Norwood again? Oh, one thing more, ma'am, before we go. I wonder if you could oblige me with something that I see in your work basket there, that measuring tape. Uh, might I borrow it? A measuring tape? Why, certainly, Mr. Holmes. My dear Holmes, what on earth for? Who knows, Watson, perhaps to hang the real murderer of Jonas Oldacre. Uh, thank you, ma'am, I'm much obliged to you. Come, Watson... Now, Watson, will you please take the other end? Yes, right into the corner. Uh, what do you make it? Seven foot six and a half. Excellent. Mr. Holmes, foot... Mr. Holmes, I've got you this time, I think. Have you, Lestrade? Seven foot six and a half, Watson? Mr. Holmes, this is important. Doctor, will you look? On the whitewash there by the hat stand, the thumbprint in blood as McFarlane took his hat that night. Yes, yes, it's very clear, I'm afraid. <laughs> you can fiddle with that tape measure of yours as much as you like, Mr. Holmes, but you know as well as I do that no two thumb marks are alike. What? Oh, yes, yes, I've certainly heard something of the kind. Then will you please compare that print with this wax impression of young McFarlane's right thumb, taken by my orders in his cell this morning. I really don't need to list trade. I take your word. What a providential thing that this young man should press his right thumb against the wall when he was taking his hat from the peg. Such a very natural action when you come to think of it. Well, he might have slipped or stumbled home. Yes, of course. And who discovered this significant markless trade? Mrs. Lexington, the housekeeper, this morning. Oh, not the police. Why didn't any of you notice it yesterday? Well, we'd no particular reason to examine the hall very carefully. Quite so. I must even have missed it myself. However, if you'll forgive us, Lestrade, Watson and I must go on with our measuring. <laughs> you beat me, Mr. Holmes, you really do. Here you are measuring a lot of corridors when the case is watertight. And all I have to do is write my report. Oh, I wouldn't write it yet, you know. Not, not quite yet, Lestrade. Uh, by the way, how many constables have you here on duty? Three. Uh, I wonder if one of them would perhaps kindly fetch me in some straw from the outhouse. Straw? I saw some there. Yes, and perhaps you'd ask another to bring a couple of buckets of water. Oh. Then all of you meet me on the top landing, say, in five minutes. I've just one final measurement to make on the floor below. Oh, come, come. Another conjuring trick, Mr. Holmes. Just so, to produce a rabbit. Uh, but not out of my dear stalker, you'll be surprised to hear. Uh, will you do it, Lestrade? Well, if you insist. Oh, I never can resist you, Mr. Holmes. Uh, five minutes, you said? Five minutes. On the upstairs landing? Exactly. <laughs> Straw and buckets of water. Well, well, well. Oh, my dear Holmes, poor Lestrade. You are enjoying yourself, aren't you? Am I, Watson? Well, at least he's quite right that fingerprints never lie. 
That's why I knew the case was virtually solved when I heard of the appearance of this one. Solved, Holmes? How? Because I know it wasn't there yesterday, and John Hector MacFarlane's been in the jail all night. You know my methods, Watson. I examined every inch of the place. Come now, upstairs. Splendid, splendid, Lestrade. Yes, that's right, Constable. You just lay the straw there and put down the buckets beside it. Now, Watson, will you kindly open the window so as to drive a draft along down to the end of the corridor? Uh Mr. Holmes, you really go too far. I assure you I have an excellent reason for everything I'm doing, Lestrade. Thank you, Watson, so much. Uh, You have a match? Yes, I think so. Well, then, set light to the straw, will you? What's this? Set light to it? More smoke than fire, Lestrade. Now, gentlemen, if you will all join me in a shout of fire when I give the word... Fire, Holmes? Are you all ready? Ah! Fire! 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 Thank you so much. Once again, if you please. Fire! 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 Holmes, the wall at the end of the corridor. Look, it's opening. Yes, it's a door, Watson. A cunningly concealed door. Look, there's your man, Lestrade, and my rabbit. Gentlemen, Mr. Jonas Oldacre. I'm joking. I, I can't see it. What is it? Uh, what are you doing here? What do you want? We want you, Mr. Oldacre. I, I, I've done nothing wrong. You, you can't touch me. When you have done your best to get an innocent man hanged? Oh, it was all a joke. Only a joke. A joke, eh? A deuced queer one, Mr. Jonas Oldacre. Oh. Well, I've seen a lot of villainy in my time, Mr. Holmes, but this beats a band, it does. Take him downstairs, Smithson. Very good, sir. Come this on, It was a joke, I tell you. I need to come out. He's coming. You can't arrest me. Well, I must say, Holmes, I congratulate you. <laughs> Thank you, my dear fellow. Oh, it's really too hot a day for a fire. Pray empty those buckets of water over the straw, will you? <laughs> That's better. Well, it all went very satisfactorily, I think. Well, you've done it again, Mr. Holmes. Look, the Latin plaster partitions that he built here to make a little hiding hole for himself at the blind end of the corridor. Yes, Watson, now you see the advantages of being a builder. He concealed it very neatly. If I hadn't noticed that discrepancy in the length of the corridors from floor to floor, he might have stayed there till doomsday and till MacFarlane had been hanged. The housekeeper was in the plot, of course. Yes, of course, to take him food and drink, and to put that thumb mark onto the wall. But how? Well, Oldacre evidently wanted the evidence to be cast iron, and I dare say that when they were looking over the papers that night, he got MacFarlane to seal a package of them by using his thumb. Then it was the simplest thing in the world for him to get a wax impression from the seal, prick himself with a pin to get enough blood, and then put the mark on the wall during last night, just to make sure, you know. It was for revenge, I suppose, on the young fellow's mother. Yes. Besides, business hadn't been very good for him lately. He'd been speculating. And there were a host of creditors. I saw that from his papers. And so he'd been paying these large checks to Mr. Cornelius. Himself at another bank. Exactly. He intended to start life afresh with that money, under the other name, to defraud his creditors, and at the same time take his revenge on his old sweetheart, by getting her only son hanged for his murder. He's something of a monster, our friend downstairs this trade. Well, we'll get him on conspiracy at least. He'll be inside for long enough to repent of his villainy. But what about the remains in the woodpile, Mr. Holmes? Oh, an old suit for the trouser buttons, and for the bloodstains on the stick he'd stolen from the boy and the charred flesh. Some animal, a dead dog perhaps, or a rabbit. Yeah. Make it rabbit, will you, Watson, when you tell the tale someday? Rabbits it shall be, Holmes. 
But poor young MacFarlane, no wonder he was nearly mad. Well, we did our best for him, Watson, our humble best. Oh, it feels cooler at last. I do believe the weather's going to break. Come along, Watson, come along. And so we returned to Baker Street. And that evening, as we were discussing the case over Hock and Seltzer, once again, the door burst open dramatically. Mr. Holmes, you've saved my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, don't bother to thank me, my dear fellow. Good evening to you. Oh, pray be sure to give my compliments and this tape measure to your mother. A most charming lady. She'll be the happiest woman in all the world. Yes, yes. The case of the Norwood Builder. Rather curious in its cunning simplicity. Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, based on the original stories of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, have been dramatized anew with original music composed by Sidney Torch. Sir Ralph Richardson played the part of Dr. Watson, and Sir John Gilgood that of Sherlock Holmes. The program was produced by Harry Allen Towers.